Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Harabedian, recorded live at Eagle Heart Ministries. We pray tonight, O Lord, as we study Jezebel and her 30 commonly consistent traits that you would show us how not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. You would insulate us and you would also deliver us from the things that we have in common with that spirit that would cause us to connect, be tricked, trapped, deceived, seduced, held in bondage, or to follow its doctrines. We ask and thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Those in agreement said, Amen. Amen. The last two sessions we've been talking about beware of second heaven prophets. First heaven prophets prophesy or communicate what they claim to be from heaven. They prophesy out of their own human soul, their own mind, their own will, their own emotions, their own memories, their own scripture knowledge that's not God-breathed in the moment. It's Logos revelation. It's what God has said, but it's not necessarily what He's saying in the moment. We need a God-breathed Word. If the Lord told you to walk around Jericho seven times and you do it, there will be a result. But don't go walk around Jericho seven times just because that was yesterday's Word and you want to try it again today. An example is a man who went into a congregation of about 200 and while he was there, the Lord gave him a word of knowledge that everyone that would take their glasses off by faith and drop them on the ground and stomp on them would be instantly healed of eye problems. A man stepped out on faith, broke his glasses, he was instantly healed. People began, it was a frenzy. People began to stomp on their glasses and everyone that broke their glasses in the service was instantly healed in that congregation of about 200 and about half the congregation had that problem. It was a glorious time. It was a word of knowledge. It was what God was doing and saying in that hour. And what happened was this. Can I get something to drink? What happened was this. The man took yesterday's word for that previous congregation. He went into the next congregation and it was about 500 people. He was sharing the testimony. And as he was sharing the testimony, he said, I believe God will do it again. And people started rapidly taking off their glasses and smashing them and nobody got healed. Oh my goodness. He wasn't invited back. Although the automatrist in town sent him a good tithe. (laughs) Ruined his ministry for many years. So what's the difference? The first night he had a word from heaven. He was a third heaven prophet. The next night he was a first heaven prophet regurgitating a word from the past. It was day old Donuts. It was manna that was no longer hot off the press. He tried to reheat that thing in the microwave. How many of you have ever had a donut reheated in the microwave? You can choke one down. They're better than a cold, stale one. But it's like trying to bring artificial mashed potatoes back with a little milk. It's just not the same as the real McCoy. First heaven prophets prophesy out of their own human soul, their mind, their will, their emotions, their worldly wisdom. They even have scripture knowledge, but it's not a God-breathed word. Second heaven prophets operate out of familiar and deceiving spirits. 
The prince of the power of the air is the enemy. Yes. Ephesians 2.2. 2. But third heaven prophets climb up in prayer into the heavenlies. Get into the throne room of God in the third heaven where God's throne and the voice of heaven operates. They ascend, catch the word, bring it back down. They go into the holy of holies with God. They come out through the inner courts and the outer courts and they speak God's word to the people. And God confirms His word. God confirms whose word? His word. He doesn't confirm your word or my word. He confirms His word. We are oracles. 1 Peter 4.11 Let everyone who speaks speak as the very oracle of God. You may all prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.30 and 31. We need to start climbing up into the Father's lap in prayer. Hear His voice as we put our ear upon the chest, the breast of the Father, and hear not just His voice, but hear His heart, which is a heart of love. First heaven prophets out of their own soul. Second heaven prophets, deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. Third heaven prophets out of the throne of God. Psalms 45.1 My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. I only speak those things that I have received as touching the King. When you're in His presence, you're in contact with Him, you touch. Zenobia, please come up. Here's the difference. When I am in her presence, she's in my presence, we can talk. Mm -hmm. We're close enough. I can hear her voice. She can hear my voice. Mm -hmm. I can whisper to her. If I whisper to her, she can hear it. I can hear it. You can't hear it. Mm -hmm. But I can take what I have received as being in contact Mm -hmm. and then bring it back to you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So we need to be in contact with the King. Amen. Look into His face and get the Word of Heaven and bring back that Word, not just the text or the verbiage, but the heart of what He communicated. Thank you. Appreciate that. Tonight, we're into session three of Behold, Beware of Second Heaven Prophets. And the subject matter, last week we started Cain, Balaam, and Korah. False prophets. They all knew God. They all started right. They ended wrong. Bad situation. Mm -hmm. Tonight we're going to study Jezebel. Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2, verses 20. Tonight we're going to confront a stronghold of immense proportions. Tonight we're going to confront a stronghold of immense proportions. It's a way of thinking that exists unchecked in most churches. We are going to expose and then destroy the hiding places of Jezebel. When we speak of Jezebel, we are identifying the source in our society of obsessive sensuality, unbridled witchcraft, and hatred for male authority. To understand the spirit of Jezebel, we must understand the beginning of this personality in the Bible. The first mention of Jezebel is seen in the rebellious, manipulative wife of King Ahab. It was actually this spirit operating through Queen Jezebel, which had caused over 10 million Hebrews, all but 7,000 faithful souls, to bow their knee 
to a false deity by the name of Baal, and they forsook the covenant, destroyed the sacred altars of Jehovah God, and then began to kill God's prophets. 1 Kings 19, verses 14 through 18. These 7,000 faithful souls represent less than 1% of the population in Israel. In a religious community. Say, whoa. Whoa. This means that 99% were under the seducing spirit, mindset, pattern of thinking of the Jezebel spirit. This occurred, again, in a religious community and a nation who was separated by God unto Himself to serve Him and His Word. Say, how far could you fall? That's a question for our nation right now. This one spirit operating through Queen Jezebel and her 850 false prophets as they controlled government in the Jewish community. This one spirit was nearly totally responsible for corrupting an entire nation. And this principality has come full force against our nation. Say hello. Hello. Before we're done tonight, we're going to examine 30 commonly consistent character traits of the Jezebel spirit operating through a person. But before moving there, it's important that we further lay a sound and solid biblical foundation. Please note, you cannot defeat the enemy simply with prayer. What are you saying, David? Come on, man. Well, listen. Further. To topple Satan's empire, we must be transformed into the Christ-likeness. Prayer alone won't get it. We need transformation into the image and likeness of His Son. Does that help bridge it over? It begins in prayer. It begins in the Word. But we must have transformation. We all with unveiled face behold Him and are changed into the same image and likeness by the glory of the Lord. Are you being changed? The enemy laughs at you when you quote the Word and spend time in prayer if you don't have transformation. Okay. All prayer and the Word does without transformation is make you self-righteous. Well, I pray two and a half hours. I give a tenth of all I... But isn't that what the Pharisees did? Who prayed more and who read the Word more than the Pharisees and the Sadducees before they sought to murder the Son of God? That's right. Is that Bible? Yes. Since the first century age of the early apostles, and especially since the dawn of the electronic age, the scale of the battle has greatly enlarged. Say enlarged. The Bible says in Daniel, in the last days, knowledge will increase. We are in what's referred to as the information age. Knowledge doubles every nine months. What took a millennium, a thousand years, then eventually for knowledge to double took 500 years, 
and then a couple of hundred years, then a hundred years, now it happens every nine months. Wow. Think about your smartphone five years ago. Would you still want it? No. Ten years ago, you longed for something such as that. Didn't even think it was possible. And now things are rapidly increasing in technology that you don't know what the next thing is going to become out. But you can't wait to get it. Neither can I. I got the S4. 13 megapixels of glory on that camera. That's some sharp 1080p, 4.3 inch amyloid display. I like it. And we use it for ministry. Amen? Amen. But you know what? Six months ago I had the S3. They came out with the S4 because technology had increased. And I'm glad I got it. My point is this. It is rapidly increasing and doubling so quickly now. Now I said all that to say this. It's difficult for us in our generation to discern the scope of warfare that hits the church and world in general today. We might actually suppose that warfare should decrease since the number of demons has not changed since the first century. While the earth's population of mankind has gone and grown from 300 million to over 7 billion souls today. Yet the access the devil has to the souls in our world has increased through the tools of mass communications media, internet, social media, Twitter, and smartphones, tablets, text messaging, television, internet, TV, Movies, movies on demand, billboards, literature of all kinds, magazines, newspapers, books, Kindles, and assorted e-readers. Facebook today boasts nearly 1.2 billion users online. 751 million of these users are mobile users. means your Facebook, your social media site, your news feed your text messages, your SMS messages show up instantly through this appendage on your body called a smartphone. Over 50% of the U.S. population has internet access on their person at all times. We're talking about the spirit of Jezebel and how it infiltrates the church and how demons haven't increased in number, but through mass communications, demonic influence with its mindsets, its patterns of thinking, its role model, its sensuality has multiplied exponentially. Seven hundred fifty-one million of these souls are mobile users, checking their Facebook and posting pictures, words, and videos daily into their news feeds to affect, positively or negatively, the souls that are push marketed through their personal news feed and connected with them as friends on their social media site. More than one third of the U.S. population, or one hundred and twenty-eight million people, on this date. August 16th, 2013, owns a personal Facebook account. That's one-third of the population of the United States. Most of them have 200-plus friends. Wow. 
Virtual friends. Right. Not friends that would bail them out of a situation. Right. Not friends that would give them valid marital advice. Right. Not friends that will really pray for them. But virtual friends, which creates a virtual reality. Wow. Which causes people to be disconnected from reality. And they're living in a place called Second Life. I believe it was $30 billion was spent last year in Second Life, meaning virtual space stations. You can go to a virtual concert, watch a virtual concert on the internet, pay for it, and you can order virtual popcorn, virtual soda pop, virtual beer, you can order virtual hot dogs, and you actually pay for the virtual imaginary fantasy things that shows up in a picture so you can enjoy the concert in what's called Second Life. There was a man who built a space station and he ended up selling it for $350,000. That's a pretty good price for a space station. The only problem was it was computer code and it wasn't real. It was Second Life and you could go on the station on your computer and do $350,000 for Second Life experience on a virtual tour of a non-existent Space station. That's really In the last days, knowledge shall increase. Wow. In addition, it is reported that the average smartphone user checks their device approximately, get this, 121 times a day. That's crazy. <laughs> Are you below average? Oh my goodness. Are you above average? <laughs> That's an amazing... When people have their service turned off or they lose their phone or a parent <laughs> shuts their phone off or limits their use, oh. they have separation anxiety oh. from this virtual world of Second Life. And it is in that world that the enemy is able to access our children, Jesus. access our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and our pastors that are in the pulpit. There are five gates through which the enemy seeks to gain access into our life. Okay. Five gates. The first one is the eye gate, things we look at. The second, the eye gate, things we look at. The second is the ear gate, things we hear. The third is the touch gate, things we feel or touch or things that touch us. The fourth is the mouth gate, things that we breathe, smoke, Drink, ingest. The fifth one is the nose gate. Things we smell through our olfactory senses. Do you know that your nose, your olfactory senses, have the ability to identify 30,000 plus different smells? And a smell is attached to a memory. Whoa. Hmm, I smell Chanel number five. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's Givenchy. <laughs> and all of a sudden you smell that cologne or that perfume and it brings you back to a memory. You know it. Oh my goodness. And the olfactory senses actually bypass all the other senses. That's why when you sit into a new car, it has that new car smell. New car smell. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> 
And that's why when you walk into a mall and you smell hot dogs or caramel corn, or when you go by a barbecue place and you're at the stoplight, you're like, sweet Jesus. Give me some baby back ribs for shizzle dizzle if you nizzle what I'm missing. And I want to go in there with you. We got some great barbecue places in Kansas City. We got one that just popped up right next to my house within walking distance. Famous Dave's. It's got my first name. I figured I had to stop by. And they got some good barbecue. My point is this. The olfactory senses are able to pick up and identify more than 30,000 different smells in your body. Your brain is a computer. It is fantastic. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Tonight, we're talking about the Jezebel spirit. We're talking about how it infiltrates the church, how it infiltrates your life through the eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the mouth gate, and the touch gate. Samson was infiltrated by the Jezebel and Delilah spirit. A thousand men could not bind Samson, but one woman could. There's a Trojan horse story. And this is how they took over Troy with the Greeks. They couldn't defeat them because they had an impenetrable fortress. So what they did was they took all their ships around the other side of the island. They acted like they left. And then they sent this wooden horse, very ornate, and they sent it and they sat it outside the gates of the city, the impenetrable gates. And what they did was then they left. And they got on their ships and they waved goodbye. You guys win. We cannot defeat you. So that night, they saw that the gift was there. They opened the gates of the city, very protective. They pulled the giant Trojan horse in and they closed the gates safely. And they began to celebrate the war is over. We have won the war. They began to party. They began to celebrate. They began to get drunk. And while they were drunk in their stupor, the secret panel inside the Trojan horse was open from the inside out and out came several Trojans. And what did they do? They immediately went from behind the gate and the gatekeepers that were looking out to protect the city didn't see them come from behind. They slit their throats. They killed them. And then they went and killed everybody. And they opened the gates to the city. And those that were hiding came in. And they overran the impenetrable city. Because they tricked them with the false gift of peace. And the Trojan horse. The enemy is doing the same today. You have a hedge of protection about you and everything you own. You got born again. Jesus Christ came to live on the inside of you and you have a hedge of protection about you and the enemy can't enter your life. But what happens? He begins to offer you the gift of the Trojan horse. He says the battle's over. And he begins to offer you something outside your impenetrable gates for you to go ahead and say, well, well, I think I'll go ahead and pull that inside the gate and shut the gates behind. I think I'm going to go ahead and open that text message. I think I'm going to go ahead and take that pop-up on the computer screen. I think I'm... And then once that thing is inside your mind, it begins to run rampant and it begins to take authority and knock off your prayer time and knock off your fasting time and begin to infiltrate you with thoughts and thinking. Are you with me? Amen. We're talking about 
Beware of second heaven prophets. And we're talking about the spirit of Jezebel that took an entire nation of 10 million people in a religious community captive through her thinking, her ways, and caused people to begin to worship false gods, gods they have not known, gods that did not deliver them up out of Egypt, gods they could not save. And enter the story is a man by the name of Elijah. A true prophet of God, a third heaven prophet. And then there was a battle between them in 1 Kings 18. In 1 Kings 18, I want to share this with you, verse 4. So it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. She is queen over a nation of a religious community that should be worshiping Jehovah God, but the true prophets of the Lord that are worshiping Jehovah God. She's using her position of political and spiritual authority to murder God's people. Do you see any parallels today? Might I say that we've had some compromises in what we believe on this Bible? Yet the laws that are being changed rapidly in our nation, and it is okay now to marry someone of the same sex in our nation. I'm not here to offend anybody. As a preacher, I'm here to comfort the troubled. But I'm also here to trouble the comfortable. That's my job. There are two types of people in life that will speak into your life primarily. They're either a prophetic voice from heaven or they're a politician. A politician finds out what you already believe, touts the same things, runs ahead of the group, yells those same things and everybody says, wow, he's our leader. Let us follow him. A prophet, on the other hand, is sent by God to people that are already going the wrong direction and he's been sent by God to turn them back from destruction. and says, go back the other direction. You're going the wrong way. We need to get back to the standard of Scripture. Sadly, the politician is lauded, exalted, paid, made into a celebrity by the people that have not necessarily the best thinking. And I'm not attacking political parties here. If it lines up with the Word of God, let's do it. If it doesn't, are you reconsidering? Amen? Amen. Okay, we're headed there. We are headed there. Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. That's some ugly stuff. Murder. Jezebel's a bad gal. Question. You ever heard of somebody called Bloody Mary? Bloody Mary was in the 1500s. 1553 to 1558. She actually died at age 42 of uterine and ovarian cancer. Mary had always rejected and resented the break with Rome that her father had instituted and his subsequent establishment of the Anglican Church that had flowed from her half-brother's Protestantism. And now she tried to turn England back to Roman Catholicism. This effort was carried out by force, not by preaching. You can't force somebody into a faith. Jesus never did it that way. But there are many religions that do. And some Christian religions 
try to do it. That's not God. This effort was carried out by force and hundreds of Protestant leaders were executed. Hundreds! Of, wait a second. For it was so, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, Bloody Mary massacred hundreds of Protestant leaders. The first was John Rogers, a.k.a. Thomas Matthews, the printer of the Matthews Tyndale Study Bible. His execution was followed by the execution of former Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Kramer, who was primarily responsible for the printing of the Great Bible. Hundreds more would follow in Mary's bloody reign of terror. This earned the Queen the title of Bloody Mary as she represented a religious faith and killed the prophets of God that were third heaven prophets as she used her position of political office and influence to stop the word of God to turn people to a false faith. And I'm not saying Catholicism is a false faith, but that kind is. When you're out murdering people in the name of God, when they're printing the Bible, they're preaching holiness and purity and you're using your position of authority. Well, wait a second. Wasn't there another woman in the Scriptures? 2 Chronicles 22.9 So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. Now when Adaliah, say Adaliah, the mother of Azariah saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. She committed murder yet again. Do you see that this is not about a woman named Jezebel? It's about a spirit that seeks to operate through somebody who has a position of authority. Destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash the son of Azariah and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him in his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jeroboam, the wife of... Boy, these are some tough names to pronounce, aren't they? Praise the Lord. We're getting the principles here. Je Jehoiada, the priest, for she was the sister of Azariah, hid him from Adaliah so that she did not kill him. She would have killed him had she found him. That's a murdering spirit. Jezebel is a murdering spirit. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Adaliah reigned over the land. Who was reigning over the land? Adaliah. Adaliah operating in a Jezebel murderous spirit, leading and causing the people of God to commit fornication, believing false doctrines, doctrines of demons, a second heaven prophetess, ministering out of the demonic realm, out of the prince of the power of the air, because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus Christ comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. What spirit are you operating under? Amen. Mm -mm -mm. Three of the devil's biblical names describing his character, nature, character, strategy, and modus operandi, or mode of operation, are... Number one, the prince of the power of the air. That includes electronic communications in the 21st century. I had a dream in 1999, and in the dream I was batted around by a 40-foot principality that I had no authority with the name of Jesus over. I try, I'm rebuking him in the name of Jesus. He's literally, he was pulling the roofs off houses, and he was moving slow. 
but it was like something out of a, a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And he would reach down to grab me and I would hide under a conference table. We'd pull the conference I'd run again and he would bat me and I would fly up against the wall and I would hit and I, I got a little scrape, a little bruised. And all of a sudden, I came into a room and I saw my mother and father who were president and vice president of our prison ministry of Bibles to prisoners at that time. And they were asleep peacefully while this was going on and I was being assailed. And all of a sudden, it ended and I woke up and I said, Lord, why has this been allowed to come upon me? And he said, because you lack intercessors. I didn't have the authority I love to cast out demons. I love to heal the sick. I love to see people filled with the Spirit. I love to see God save people. Those are the gifts He's put in my mantle. But this principality was different. I didn't have the weapons of warfare for this one. The intercessors had the weapons of warfare. We need prayer warriors, intercessors with gifts that the ministers don't have. The intercessors work with the ministers. The intercessors are the airplanes that go in and drop the spiritual warheads on the enemy. The ministers are the boots on the ground that go in and do the work. The strongholds have got to be torn down in the heavenlies before we can go in effectively preach. We need the intercessors. I woke, I chronicled this dream. I, I finished this dream and I said, I've got to get a message out to our ministry. I'm under attack and I don't have the weapons of warfare. It was 5.30 in the morning. I went upstairs and a TV room was open. It was after the 5 a.m. count. They cleared it. I walk up. It's 5.33 in the morning. And as I turn on the TV to a Christian station, there's a well-known international minister who was winning souls to Christ by the hundreds of thousands locally in the nation. He had television broadcast in 190 nations around the world and he was in third world countries winning Muslims to Christ, people in India to Christ, unchurched nations. And he had just come back from India, had a crusade with a million people in it, I believe. And I think 300,000 came to Christ. And he just had the most severe attack against his ministry he'd ever had in his life. And he said, I was praying and the Lord said to me, and I said to the Lord, Lord, why has this been allowed to come upon me? And the Lord said, because you lack intercessors. The same words he spoke to me a half an hour earlier on the dream that I'd chronicled, I go upstairs by divine appointment. The same thing came out of his mouth on television. And the Lord said to him, raise up an army of intercessors. You need a million intercessors to cover you in ministry. See, when you go through a portal of grace, a a great and effectual door is opened unto you. There are many adversaries. 1 Corinthians 16.9 There are doors God is opening up in your life. There are doors God is opening up in my life. We're better together. Don't think big I's and little U's. Everybody's important in the body of Christ. But we've got to be free from the mindsets that would cause us to be in agreement with this principality called Jezebel and its mindsets that would cause us to be defeated. The first name that we're going to deal with is the prince of the power of the air, including electronics, communications in the 21st century. Ephesians 2.2, he's the prince of the power of the air. The second one, he's the mind blinder. 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that are perishing that they cannot see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.4 And the third name of the enemy is Diabolos, the one who comes to repeatedly pound and pound and pound and pound and pound and pound until he gets in. It's like a ball-peen hammer. Have you ever been beat in your head repeatedly with thoughts? They just keep coming. It's like, it's terrible, and you can't seem to get rid of them. They're tormenting. The enemy's coming to pound, to pound, to pound. And then when he leaves, he comes back for a more opportune time. And if you call someone on the phone, you humble yourself, you say, I can't get rid of these thoughts. I can't seem to break them off on my own. I need the prayer of agreement. Yes. What will happen is that person will agree and all of a sudden, boom, you're instantly free and you've got your mind back again. You've been attacked and assailed by a tormentor called Diabolus, the one who comes to pound on your mind. Don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices, the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12. We are not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. Jezebel, Bloody Mary, Adaliah. Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2. David, those are all Old Testament passages. That doesn't apply today. Turn with me, if you will, to the sweet, meek, lowly, loving, kind words of Jesus in His resurrected state as He hugs gently His church. And He says these words to John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. While John's being banished, for preaching the gospel. 166,000 people were martyred, murdered, killed, destroyed. Their lives were snuffed out because they believed in Jesus Christ last year. We're upset when somebody calls us Bible thumper. Oh, I've been persecuted. They call me Bible thumper. Oh, you're on the God Squad. I don't want them to see my Bible. Thank God I can carry it electronically in my phone. They persecuted me on Facebook because I posted a scripture. Oh, get over it. Had they hunted you down at your house and tried to murder you? Had they taken little matchsticks and lit them on fire and set them outside your doorstep like they do in certain areas of Africa and Nigeria where when they try to control you what they do... Are you ready for this? They literally take somebody who's preaching the gospel in one of those villages, they take them, and they tie barbed wire around their hands. They cut off their hands, and they tie the barbed wire around, and then they put a tire over their body, and then they pour gasoline on top of the tire, which is rubber, and then they take those matches, and they light it on fire. As the family members are coming out to rescue their Christian brother or sister while they're being martyred for the name of Christ, this is the real deal that's going on, okay? And what they do is they keep the family away at knife point, machete, gun point, whatever they have, until about 30 to 45 seconds when the tire is around them like this. And they're running around on fire. And then about 30 to 45 seconds in, they encourage the family members to try to put them out. To further traumatize them because at that point, you cannot separate the tire because the rubber has now gone into the skin. And they asphyxiate from the smell of the rubber. 
And they control people simply if you're preaching the gospel or serving Jesus too much. These other religions that try to coerce and convert you by force will come and simply leave some matches on your doorstep. The Italians leave fish heads or a horse's head. Everybody's got their thing. Not all the times. Just a certain locosomos. Jezebel. Mm-mm-mm. Bloody Mary. Adaliah. Jesus says these kind, compassionate words to his church at Thyatira. Revelation 2, 20 and 20 through 23. New King James Version. Nevertheless, Jesus speaking, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21. Revelation 2, 21. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, the sweet and loving Jesus goes on. I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. And those who commit adultery with her, who is he speaking to? The church. Who did Jezebel infiltrate? A religious nation called Israel. Wait a second, David. That's not the Jesus I hear about on Sunday morning. Well, guess what? There's more, one, more than one side to him. There's more than one side to you. You can get a little uh, hot under the collar yourself when somebody's trying to kidnap your child. Amen? Mama Bear get upset. She turned into a lioness. Try to kidnap one of your kids. Mama knock you out. As it should be. But Jesus is knocking someone out here. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. So if they repent, he forgives and he moves forward. Then he lovingly says this, I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Wait a second. David, that's kind of harsh. Look, they're not my words. You don't like them. Please take them up with Jesus. He's the one that died for you on a cross. Remember, he was murdered for you and martyred for you. He gave his life for you. Are you willing to give your life for him? Are you willing to take a stand? Or have you come under the bondage of the thinking patterns and the seducing spirit that took Israel captive and 10 million people of a nation in a religious community. Point to ponder. Let us go on. There was a woman by the name of Herodias. She married a man by the name of Herod, who was a Jewish ruler during the days of Jesus. And Herod was in bed with the Romans, so to speak, politically. And so Herod's a Jew. 
He's married to Herodias, which coincidentally is his brother's wife. And John the Baptist has to meddle. He should have just left it alone. Can't we all just get along? Can't we just teach tolerance? Isn't that what's being taught in our nation now? Oh, just, you need to learn tolerance. They're not tolerating what you believe. They just want you to tolerate what they believe as they manipulate and seduce your children to commit fornication, false doctrines, doctrines of demons, things sacrificed unto false gods. But this I have against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. Oh, we need to teach tolerance. Jesus did not teach tolerance. That's right. Wake up! Amen. Jesus said, if any man come after me, just get in the back of the church and raise your finger at the altar call. Every eye closed and every head bowed. We want this to be a personal thing and give people their privacy. Show me that in the Bible. If any man comes after me, Jesus said, he must first love less his mother and his father and his sister and brother. Yes, even his own life. Pick up his cross daily and follow after me. For which one of you, when building a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost if he with this is able to finish? If not, others standing by will mock him to scorn, saying this man started but was unable to finish. Or which of you, when going to war against another king, does not first sit down and calculate the cost if you with your ten thousand soldiers is able to defeat the other king with his twenty thousand soldiers and if not doesn't he send forth a delegation with terms of peace even so which of you that wants to be my disciple shouldn't shouldn't you sit down and first calculate the cost that is not an easy beliefism that Jesus preached wake up this is Bible tolerance Tolerance. Tolerance. Jesus tolerated it. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know. Wait a second, he's speaking to the church so that the churches will You gotta get the sin out. Yeah. You gotta address it. Oh, it's just a little cancer. It'll go away. Can't we just put a band-aid on it? Put it underneath. It's a flesh-toned one. They've got new stylish band-aids for the cancer patients. No, it needs to be dealt with at its root or it will kill the body. Well, it's just over here in my life. Really? Well, why don't you go ahead and feed it some white sugar and see if it grows? Why don't you go ahead and feed the cancer in the body of Christ, the Jezebelian thinking, a little sensuality, a little text message, a little bit of pornography, a little bit of compromise. Why don't you just go ahead and feed that cancer and allow it to kill off the body? Remember, 10 million people in Israel, only 7,000 have not yet bowed their knee to Bell. That's 7 tenths of 1%. 99.3% of the population in a Jewish religious community that God had performed signs and wonders, acts, He set prophets to, they all went astray because they listened to the Spirit operating through Jezebel and her false prophets that had displaced the real prophets of God. Wake up! 
America. Wake up, church. Mm. Herodias and John the Baptist. John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of who? Elijah. Jezebel and Elijah confront each other. And he says, how long will you be stuck between two opinions? If God be God, serve God. If Baal be God, serve Baal. But let's serve the God who answers by fire. Uh-huh. You remember the story in 1 Kings 18? Uh-huh. The false prophets, 850 of them lined up against one Elijah. Uh-huh. One Elijah. Come on. And they poured over water on the altar and they cut themselves and they tried to get their God to respond. And Elijah even got a little a little slick with his words. He got a little salty. He got a little sarcastic. He says, oh, where is your God? One of the things he says, he says, maybe he's out journeying. You know what that means in the original Hebrew? It means maybe he's out relieving himself. Maybe he's on the porta potty. Maybe he's at the outhouse and he's unable to answer. Who knows? I might be using a little too much liberty here, but maybe he's got the runs and he can't show up. Now that's some pretty strong language. So they start to cut themselves and sacrifice their own blood under their false god. And finally Elijah says, okay, enough. Pour the water on the altar three times. And he says, watch this, boy. He says, and immediately the fire comes from heaven, consumes the altar, and then consumes their altar as well. And he says, get them. And Elijah says, finish them off at the direction of the Lord in this situation. Why? Because they let, I will kill her children. Because they're causing people to go to hell. Herodias and John the Baptist, Matthew 14, verses 3 through 13. Oh goodness, what happened there? Herodias operated in the spirit of Jezebel and Elijah, and and John the Baptist operated in the spirit and the power of Elijah during Jesus' day. Do you see how this battle shows up a second time during the days of Jesus? Well, guess what? You're going to like this. Matthew chapter 14. Are you with me? Verse 3, For Herod had laid hold on John the Baptist and bound him. Wait a second. You mean the Jewish religious leaders are putting the prophets in prison? It's coming to this nation, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know why? Because we've tolerated this spirit that wants us to tolerate it. Hello? Well, David, I, I go to church. I, I'm, not, I'm not bound by that spirit. Oh, we're going to get to it. You're going to find out that you may not be as free as you think. That's right. Some people didn't think they had diseases till they went and got examined and found out they were stage four and didn't even know it. You might find out that, thank God, you caught it early tonight because God's doing some spiritual surgery. And He's wanting to cut some things out of us so that we can be free. So when we run into this spirit, we're not silenced by it. We're not manipulated by it. We're not seduced by it. And we're not deceived by it because that spirit will take you to a place you do not want to go and possibly for eternity. If you repent not, he says. 
For Herod had laid hold on John, Matthew 14, verse 3, and bound him up and put him in prison for whose sake? Herodias' sake. Because she didn't like the message that he preached. There was a nationally known Christian artist who was supposed to sing at the Martin Luther King celebration. Martin Luther King, a man of God. He had a dream that came from heaven as a third heaven prophet. He wanted equality for you and for me, which were all one blood in Christ Jesus. That is a biblical unity. The very things that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for are not being stood for today by those claiming to have his dream. Hello? And there was a white homosexual that then went to the ACLU and the NAACP to say that that man who's on the docket, who's a Christian musician, I read on the internet that he at one time was a homosexual and he's claiming that Jesus healed him. He should not be allowed to speak or sing during the Martin Luther King honorarium. Wait a second. Martin Luther King would love to have had him speak and to sing, but he's had a transformed life. That's the change I'm talking about, baby. I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven done sign my name. I once was a sinner. I was lost as they come. But Jesus Christ turned me around. Oh, I know I've been changed. But you know what? The change that we've heard preached has allowed us what? to change into a Jezebel spirit leads my people and seduces them to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed unto idols. You know, the very things I'm preaching a few years from now on video what are you willing to stand for? If you're not willing to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. For John said unto him, It's not lawful for thee to have her... He put him in prison for Herodias' sake, who was operating in the spirit of Jezebel, for his brother's Philip's wife. For John said unto him, Matthew 14, 4, For John said unto him, It's not lawful for you to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted John as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias, she began to dance before them, and it pleased Herod. There's some people who want your daughter that you're married to. They got that same Ahab spirit that Ahab had when Jezebel was queen. And what did Ahab do? He went into a fit of depression because he couldn't get Naboth's vineyard. So Jezebel says, give me your signet ring of authority. I'll get that vineyard for you. Naboth won't sell it. He won't compromise because he serves Jehovah God. I've got a way to get rid of him. I'm going to manipulate without the use of physical force. Watch this. I'm going to hire false witnesses who are going to go on a religious fast and bear false witness against Naboth and say he blasphemed God. Wait a second. These are the blasphemers that are going to bear false witness against the true man of God and then get him hung and murdered so that the king can inherit a vineyard? Give me that ring of authority, Ahab. Give me that credit card, Ahab. Let me work that signature. Give me that notary of public. Whatever you want, big boy. 
I'll give it to you. You know what Jezebel's name means? It means without cohabitation. It means she will not cohabitate with anybody unless she can control. What she does is she seduces. And when I say she, by the way, this spirit is gender neutral. About 90%, 85-90% to 90% of the time it operates through women. Just like a Lucifer spirit, 85-90% of the time operates through a man. But it's gender neutral. It's just looking for a way in. One more thing. The Jezebel spirit seeks to flip the natural divine order of things upside down. When you go to a party and you're a woman and you go with your husband and people come up, here's what the natural conversation is. Oh, hi, I'm, I'm Jane Smith. This is my husband, Bob Smith. Oh, really, Bob, what do you do? What's your position? Men are positional. Jane, how are you? Are you the mother of the children? Women are relational. These are my relations. Let me show you the pictures of my children across the earth in relation, horizontally. Bob, what do you do? This is my position at work. This is what I do. Men have positional authority. Vertical. Right? Women have horizontal authority by nature. Mm -hmm. The two connect and you see the cross. Amen? But here's what happens with Jezebel. She wants to usurp and displace the king's authority while he's still king, but she's really running the roost. And that thing gets twisted and it messes up the divine order. Husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Women are to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord as the man submits to Christ. Don't get that thing twisted. If Lucifer is in the husband, don't submit to that. That's right. I don't teach that. I don't preach that. It's not Bible. Let me tell you why. You read Ephesians 5.17 reading on. I'm sorry, yeah. Ephesians, Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me one day. He said, David, the wife will only submit to the husband when the husband is submitted to the Lord. That's right. Absolutely. So when, when, when a man says, oh, well, you've got to submit to me and I'm ordering you not to go to church. <laughs> you devil. <laughs> if she finished up everything, she, you, you, you need to get to church with her. Amen. If you're in a spirit-filled congregation where the presence of God is at, now if she's in a cult, you better pull her out of that. Yeah. But you ought to know enough about Jesus to know before it happens. Be her covering. Adam had authority in the Garden of Eden and operated in the sin of omission, omitted or failed to do it. Eve eats the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she gives to him to eat. She, I mean, the whole thing got twisted. Do you see how this thing has its genesis way back? It pops over with Jezebel and Elijah, then it shows up with Herodias and John the Baptist who came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. My God. And then it shows up in the book of Revelation. That woman Jezebel in the church who calls herself a prophetess. Wait a second. How does she get a teaching position in the church? What, what Ahab Gave her authority. What? What's your name? Oh, my name's Pastor Ahab. Oh, really? Oh, I see Jezebel's here. Oh, yes, she's one of our star pupils. She's one of our leaders here. She knows how to do fundraising. She knows... Jezebel is called out by name by the resurrected Jesus on the Isle of Patmos with John, the revelator who's there for preaching the gospel. Good news. Good news. Jesus said this. 
Elijah is coming. Elijah represents the prophetic anointing. He represents the prophetic anointing that's starting to descend upon the church from the Lord right now. We are becoming a prophetic church. 1 Corinthians 14, 30 and 31, you may all prophesy. Everybody ought to be prophetic. I didn't say pathetic. I said you ought to be prophetic, meaning hearing from God and communicating that to man. Not just the words of God, but the heart of God, which is a heart of love. You ought to be able to hear the voice of the Father. John 10, 27 clearly says this. My sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. If you're his sheep, if you're born again, you can hear his voice. You can prophesy because prophecy is hearing from God and communicating to man. And guess what happens when you begin to prophesy? The spirit of Elijah begins to descend upon you, who's a prophet, who begins to walk in purity and sincerity and holiness and power. And you want to know what happens? Those that aren't walking in that start to get offended at you. Okay. My God. And messages like this, they don't well receive. <clears throat> and they begin to slander you on the internet. And wild, bizarre things start happening. You want to know the ministries that are anointed? Just check out the internet. The ones they're talking the craziest about, those are probably the ones you want to check out. Well. <laughs> Amen or ouch? Amen. And then if you read the statistics of their ministry, don't read the accusations. Find out the fruit. A tree is known by its accusations. That's right. Hello. A tree is known by its fruit. And that fruit should remain. And by the way, there's been some great fruitful ministers that mess up. You want to know why? Sometimes they got some things unresolved in their lives. That doesn't negate what God did through them. And an issue unresolved will evolve. And guess what? They may have got knocked out of the air because they were actually doing something. They actually stirred up the enemy enough and displaced him enough to make him angry. Hello? Now, I'm not saying everything that people do and mess up with that they didn't do on their own, but there's a bunch of that stuff that when you get beyond the story on CNN and all the other networks and ABC and NBC and what do you see and Fox and all that other stuff, the point is this, when you get beyond the story, you find out the real truth behind it. And then when the real truth comes out, it's printed printed on page 41A in three lines. Because that stuff doesn't make news. And then the person's reputation is ruined and it happened because of an accusatory spirit operating, sadly, often through the church that has yielded their mindset to the same thinking. Much of the church is bound with the spirit of mammon Mammon is a demon. It is a Babylonian entity, a deity. It had its origins in Syria in history. And it's a way of doing things, a way of making money. You cannot serve both God and Mammon. Mammon works with Jezebel. Ahab works with Jezebel. And Jezebel destroyed an entire nation and murdered the prophets. Adaliah murdered the prophets. Bloody Mary murdered the people that wrote and compiled the very Bibles that we use today that help transform the lives of nations when it was illegal to even have the Word of God. What organization that names the name of Christ would try to keep the Bible out of the people's hands? 
unless it was bound by the whore of Babylon named Jezebel. We're off into some waters. Pray for me after this message. Because I'm not a politician touting the things that are popular. God sent me to say, stop, turn around, go back. You're going the wrong direction. There's destruction. The way of the wicked is wide and it leads to destruction. The way of the righteous is narrow. Strive that you might enter in the narrow gate. Elijah is coming 2,000 years ago. Jesus stated that the ministry of Elijah was not over. He promised Elijah is coming and will restore all things. Matthew 17, 11. Malachi the prophet also wrote. Malachi is the last prophet to speak. 400 years of silence. Right before you get to Matthew, just turn back one or two pages and you're going to find Malachi. Chapter 4, verses 5. And he says this. Malachi the prophet also wrote, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet. He's prophesying about the future. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and He will restore the hearts of the children back to the fathers. We have a rift with our fathers and our children today. But the spirit of Elijah is coming upon the church to restore the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It begins with restoring our hearts back to Father God vertically so then we can help restore hearts horizontally in relationships between dads and sons. Number one reason why people go to prison, they don't have a father in their life. One out of three black male adults will go to prison at some time in their life in America statistically. One out of 17 adults. 6.6 million people on federal parole, state parole, ankle bracelet, supervision of some type. 2.2 million are incarcerated. We're the highest per capita incarceration country in the world, bar none. We're ahead of Russia. We are losing our fathering spirit but I believe God wants to restore it through the spirit and the power of Elijah to restore the hearts of the fathers back unto the children lest he smite the earth with a curse is what the Bible says. David, where's the love? It's a little tough love tonight. We're not going to put a band-aid on it because it's an issue. It's not going to go away without repentance. It's not going to go away without getting in His presence. It's not going to go away without breaking ties and negating the thinking that we've been captured by. Final thoughts before we run through these 30 commonly consistent traits. Unless you want to do that on another night. I may not come back if I do it on another night. Jezebel killed Naboth over his vineyard. 1 Kings 21. Herodias killed John the Baptist, had his head cut off over his preaching. Matthew 14, 8-13. Jezebel seeks today that same spirit to kill God's children and the church with bad doctrine and sexual compromise. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, you're not everybody. Strive to get into the narrow gate. That's right. Well, God understands. Really? I will cast her children on a bed, cast her on a bed of severing, kill her children. He understands. Yeah, he understands. Yeah, he understands. Oh, David, where's the grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's your grace. 
when you turn back to God, there's so much grace. But my goodness, how long are we going to turn the Word of God into a corrupt word and allow people to go to hell around us when we're Christians and we know better? I was in a store the other day and somebody was talking about a mutual friend of ours and how she won't compromise in certain areas and she's probably going to remain single all of her life. And I thought to myself, well, you know, that may be true. May be true. And she said, oh yeah, she said, you know, she doesn't want to do this and that before she's married, but you got to, you know, take a car for a test drive before you, you buy it. And I looked at her, I said, well, you know, I, I said, I, I hold to that biblical standard primarily. I believe in the Bible in that. She thought about that because we know what's happening in her life right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I buy the cow when the milk's free, David. <laughs> Just test drive it. No, you marry it by faith. Hallelujah. Because God said, not it, but she. You marry by faith because God's spoken. Amen. And it will be good. Okay. Amen? Amen. I know a man who compromised with a very beautiful woman, gorgeous. They had the most incredible night. They thought, well, we better go ahead and put a placemat over this stain because we're Christians. And so he married her. That was the last time they had ever came together. They haven't come together since they've been married. They don't even have a desire for each other. She's as cold as cold can be toward him. And he's tricked and he's stuck in a marriage. I know another man. He told me a similar story. He said, I compromised. He says, and now my marriage, we don't even have a marital union. Amen. Or ouch. Now, that's not always the case. And by the way, God's forgiving. He'll clean it up. Question. Question. Do you put the t- placemat over the grape juice stain on the white tablecloth or do you take the tablecloth and get it dry cleaned to get the stain out? Do you put a placemat over the stain called a marriage certificate or do you go and take your relationship to the Lord and get it cleansed by the blood of Jesus though your sins are as scarlet they'll be white as snow and then break the soul tie that came through that Union primarily, and then do you say, Lord, is this the person you want me to marry? Or do you go into the marriage with the stain underneath the placemat called the marriage certificate? This is not rocket science. But we don't necessarily want to hear that. Well, brother, if it feels good, do it. That's Jezebelian thinking. It's selfishness at its root. It's not the standard. I'm not harping on this tonight. I'm trying to bring us back into focus of what the biblical standard is. If any man comes after me, let him maseo. Hate his mother and father, sister and brother in the King James. Maseo in the Greek word is to love less. Meaning, if your mother or father or sister or brother conflicts with what Jesus is telling you to do in the moment, and you've actually heard from the Lord, it's not just some religious thing you're wanting to do. You've got to love them less than Jesus. Well, I've got tickets to the Royals game. And I can't... 
you need to be over there. There's somebody who's going to come to Christ on that corner at this time. But Jesus, girls just want to have fun. <laughs> Trust me, serving the Lord is incredibly fun. Yes. And then he'll add the Royals game unto you Amen. and box seats. Amen. Because you need some pleasure and enjoyment. Amen. But don't do that first. Do that when it's added unto you. Amen. Do you see the difference? Yes. We should love our mother and father and sister and brother. Mm-hmm. But when they conflict, Smith Wigglesworth told his wife not to go to church. Well, honey, I've done the dishes. I've done this and that. that. If you go to church tonight, this is before he got fully sold out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Before he became one of the greatest healing evangelists and 13 were raised from the dead in his ministry in the early 1900s. But he literally said, I will lock you out. You will spend the night on the porch if you do this. She says, honey, if I didn't get my chores done, if I hadn't done this and that, I would say I haven't been a good wife. But I've done all those things and you're trying to keep me from the Word of God. She says, I'm going. That night, he locked the door, made her sleep on the porch. That morning at 5.30, he came down, opened up the door. She kind of fell in. He knew there was going to be a uh, a little bit of a bit of intense fellowship that was about to occur. And so she got up with the love of God. She said, Smith, she says, what would you like for breakfast? Your favorite? Would you like Eggs Benedict? He looked at her. She cooked Eggs Benedict with joy, this and that. He didn't know what to do. The Holy Spirit convicted him. He repented and he ended up becoming one of the greatest healing evangelists. Do you see the biblical balance there? <clears throat> Father, we want to submit to you tonight. Mm-mm-mm. We're going to run through these real quick. 30 amazingly consistent traits of the Jezebel spirit. Number one, refuses to admit guilt or wrongdoing. A Jezebel spirit's never wrong unless it's a temporary admittance of guilt to gain favor with someone. To accept responsibility would violate the core of insecurity and pride from which this spirit operates. When a Jezebel apologizes, it is never in true repentance or acknowledgement of wrongdoing, but rather it says, I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. I'm sorry your feelings were hurt. Really? Number two, takes credit for everything. While a strong trait of Jezebel is never to take responsibility for its wrongdoing or actions or behavior, he or she that's bound by a Jezebel spirit also is quick to take credit for benefits for which he or she contributed no real effort. Number three, uses people to accomplish its agenda. The Jezebel spirit lets others do its dirty work. The Jezebel gets another person's emotions stirred up, then lets that person go into a rage. Whoa. Or the agitator in the washing machine. Whoa. The Jezebel sits back looking innocent, saying, Who, me? What did I do? They're the ones that's going crazy. This behavior makes it difficult for even the most ardent truth seekers to pin one down. The Jezebel spirit is clever in its agenda. A woman wants her ex-husband murdered. She'll date a new guy and she'll tell the new guy all these terrible stories to try to get this guy so enraged he goes and kills the ex-husband. And then that guy's in prison. She's free. And now she's got the ex-husband's money and she moves on. The Black Widow. She manipulates without the use of physical force. 
Number four, she withholds information. When I say she, this is a gender-neutral spirit. Mm -hmm. We don't run around and call people Jezebel. We say it appears as though she has either a Jezebel spirit operating against her we need to pray for, or she's been influenced, or he's been influenced. This spirit often operates in the music ministry and tries to control the congregation from the piano or the microphone that leads worship. We have a woman of God, Zenobia Smith, the Kansas City Songbird, when she ministers in this place, you don't see her very long. Not because she doesn't play long, but because you stop seeing her because she reveals him. And now you see the unseen one. She disappears while the music's going on because she's not an entertainer that puts your focus on her. She's one that helps you enter in to see him that you're transformed into his image and likeness. Tonight, we did not have the presence of God in the house until she came in. She was stuck in traffic and there was a different atmosphere with cold spots. It would have been like difficult to preach. But she came in because she knows how to get a hold of heaven and operate. And heaven came down and kissed earth. And we have an atmosphere in here that's pregnant. Pregnant with his power and his love. Amen? The prophet and the minstrel flow together. The preacher and the musician flow together when they flow in Christ. Withholds information. This is a form of control. Number four. A Jezebel wields power over you by knowing something you don't know in a situation. In the eyes of a Jezebel, having information you don't have is a powerful weapon of control. Always in the know on stuff. You don't even know how this thing knows it. Number five. Talks in confusion. It's impossible to converse with a Jezebel in logic. One pastor wrote a six-page letter to his elders about a situation in the church. The context was so vague that no one was without confusion. This is a way to maintain control and domination. They don't name nouns. People, places, things, times. You don't have the witnesses. They just talk and... Well, so-and-so... Somebody told me, and I, I can't tell you who it is. Well, really, let's get them on the phone. Uh-huh. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sinned against you, go confront him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why would they tell you instead of me? Mm-hmm. Well, they, they fear you. Uh-huh. Really? I didn't know I was that fearful. Mm-hmm. I know the devil fears me. Are they a devil? Uh-huh. Well, but why don't you do this? There's two types of ministries that go on before the throne of God day and night. There's the ministry of intercession. Jesus in Hebrews 7.25 forever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. For he forever lives to intercede for the saints of God and he's able to save to the uttermost those that come to God by him. There's another ministry that goes on before the throne of God day and night. 24-7. The ministry of accusation. Revelation 12.10 and 11. And the accuser of our brother was ca- accuser of our brethren was cast down who accused... The saints of God wear before the throne of God day and night. night. So you got two ministries that go on before the throne of God day and night. Ministry of intercession by Jesus, a ministry of accusation by the devil. Which one are you in? I can tell you who your father is. It's impossible to converse with a Jezebel. When this, this is a way to maintain control and domination. When confronting a Jezebel, the subject may be changed five times in one minute. Confusion keeps them undiscovered and unexposed, and they always deflect the conversation to somebody else so you can't pin them down. When you confront a Jezebel, have all your witnesses in the room, you put the recorder down, and you say, we're recording this conversation, and everybody in here will have a copy of it for the future. 
Everybody's accountable for what they said. There's no more he said, she said. And when that Jezebel is confronted, it goes from being the persecutor to the victim all in the same conversation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it also becomes the rescuer to save somebody. It's on the drama triangle. Persecutor, rescuer, victim. And then it switches positions. Volunteers for just about anything. Six. A Jezebel volunteers in order to establish control. Control. He or she seemingly has endless nervous energy and eagerly looks for opportunities to be in charge of projects. Although we will work hard, although they work, they will work hard. Their motive is never pure, and eventually, the secret agenda cannot be hidden. Oh my goodness. Number seven, lies. A Jezebel lies convincingly, looks you right in the eye. I could tell you story after story when I've run into this spirit in the church, people with seminary degrees, people with big donation dollars. They're on the boards, but they always do the same thing. They manipulate without the use of physical force. They spin things, and they control the congregation to where the real fruit isn't manifest in the service. And when a real move of God happens with the prophetic anointing, they rise up to accuse, manipulate, or seduce. I was in a congregation five years ago when I first got out of prison. I had an ankle bracelet on, a friendship bracelet on my ankle from the feds. I went into this congregation. It was a full gospel congregation. While I was there, I was preaching the Word of God. And slowly, the woman pastor didn't like what I was preaching. The next thing I know, a man in the congregation calls me on the phone, secretly. And he tells me, David, you're about to come under attack. This happens every time we have true male authority in the church. The women go after the male authority to try to compromise him sexually. And because you won't, they've now come against you saying that you are after my wife. I said, I said, what? He said, I know you're not after my wife. He said, my wife knows you're not after me, or after her. He said, you and I have no issue with each other at all. I'm letting you know. I get a phone call from the person who now wants to confront me. Also, the same person has manipulated the offerings. Also, this same person, I'm not going to go into details. I'm just letting you know how the Spirit operates. And by the way, this is a born-again person who's leading people to Christ, but holding the congregation in bondage. The focus is not necessarily on Jesus. Anyway, long story short, I am falsely accused, and I'm told by this person, that the husband wants to kill me. Now remember this, this is the same husband that told me we have no issue. And I just looked at her across the table with a complete peace of God. Right before I arrived to the meeting, I got a text message from a friend of mine who said, David, the Holy Spirit just came upon me and told me to intercede for you. Something's going on and you need prayer. And this person had never called me before on that. And I said, yeah, I don't know what I'm going into. I had the peace of God. So one person's praying. But anyway... That ended, I was liberated and delivered from the situation without scrape, without bruise, and vindicated completely in the matter. And I was told that her staff member that had been with her for years, four of them, all heard the same thing from the Lord about me. 
Well, guess what? Micaiah was the only prophet, and 450 of them were falsely prophesying in unity there as well. Jezebel had 850 false prophets under her. When you have an Elijah anointing and God's calling you to have the spirit and the power of Elijah, which is the prophetic anointing on your life, you will run into this spirit. If you haven't, get some anointing. Yes. That's right. Hello? Yes. Yes. Get a little. Get a little to stir up the enemy. Amen. And then pray for those who have it that they can keep it and not get tripped, trapped, deceived, manipulated, schemed, falsely accused. She lies convincingly. No one can lie better than, than she can. He or she can turn on the charm and make you believe blue is red. He or she always fools those whom he's just met. Parking lot prophecies. Marvelous, wonderful, sanguine personalities. Serpents will charm you as well. While those that have been victimized by Jezebel's tactics stand by helplessly to watch the next person become a victim. I had somebody approach me at a very large church the other day. They said, David, so-and-so told me this about you, that you're a man of God. This person that you came into this church with. I want to tell you something. I'm on staff here and I wouldn't normally do this. But be very careful with that person. They can present themselves as something they're not. And that person has hurt a lot of people. Jesus. I took heed. And then the things began to manifest. Oh my goodness, my Lord. Avert disaster. There are certain people you're not alone with in any circumstances. Not because you have bad intentions, but because the accuser of the brethren could falsely accuse you in any moment and you couldn't defend yourself. Absolutely. He touched me. He did this. He did that. Mm -hmm. can never say that. I wasn't alone. That's right. Billy Graham wouldn't be alone in an elevator with somebody in a public place. If a woman and him were on the elevator alone, he would wait for the next elevator. Mm -hmm. The higher you go, the more careful you have to be. Absolutely. Because that spirit seeks to destroy men of God. Pray and intercede. Two weeks after I had that vision where that 40-foot principality was attacking me, I was suddenly thrown in solitary confinement. And I was charged with an electronics charge about something over the telephone that was actually legal according to the rules in the prison for me to do. They changed the rule, didn't notify me, and didn't publish it in the law library, and charged me with a crime. And the FBI actually came in and discussed and said I wouldn't be out of the hole for six months to a year out of solitary confinement. And I was teaching a class called Hearing God at the time. And we were getting ready for the final exam on a curriculum the Lord gave me on how to hear God, 25 different biblical ways. And the chaplain came to me and he said to me, he said, David, it's bad. And I said, chaplain, I'll be out in three days total. And he looked at me, he says, I don't think you understand. He says, you have no idea what's going on. I'm not at liberty to tell you the details. He says, but they shut down the whole compound over this incident. I said, calling my family on the phone? And he said, well, you found a loophole in the system. I said, it's wise stewardship and it was legal. He says, they changed the rules. 
I said, I have them on paper authorizing it. And he looked at it and he said, that is concerning. He says, the whole compound of staff, you walked in great favor, they're divided against you now. They think you're a manipulator and a liar. He says, I know you're not. He said, but the staff have polarized in opposite directions against you over this incident. I said, Chaplain, I said, here's the notes for the final exam. I'll be out Thursday morning. I said, and I'll be handling that final exam in Hearing God, the 12-week class. And he looked at me, and he said, I don't think you understand. I said, I understand this, my, my friend. And he was a great guy. I said, I understand that either I've heard from heaven that the Lord spoke to me even as Jonah was three days and nights in the heart of the earth. David, you will be three days and nights in this cell, and I will put you back on the compound. I said, I'll be out Thursday to teach the final lesson of hearing God for the final exam, or I'll be in here what you say I will be and enroll me in hearing God, and I'll be a student. Third day rolled around. They came to get me. A lieutenant said to me, he said, what are you doing here? I said, this is what's going on. He said, get him out of there. They never even gave me a hearing before they let me out, and I'm walking back with my property, on, and, and the staff are coming to give me the hearing. What are you doing? You, you can't leave. Who let you out? I said, well, it's not like I'm escaping from the solitary housing unit to the prison. I didn't let myself out. God eventually vindicated me and all I came off was with scrapes. They were taking people's phone privileges for a year and 27 days good time. For a single phone call, they charged me with 1,165 of them. But all I was doing was saving money. And I found a way in the system to do that, to stretch our family stewardship dollars. And it was in accordance with the rules, but they changed the rules didn't notify me and what they approved they never disapproved they just charged me with a crime we need intercessors do you see how it gets twisted within about 30 days God restored that Joseph favor on my life but it was a battle and you have to maintain your integrity by the way we finished up that 12 week hearing God class and graduated those students that know how to hear the voice of God, for you may all prophesy one by one. Prophecy is hearing God and communicating the words and His heart of the Father to other people. We are a prophetic church, and the prophets are opposed by the false prophets. Beware of second heaven prophets. We're going to run through the rest of these. Jezebel ignores people. A classic ploy of a controller is to ignore you when you disagree with them. This tactic is normally used by leaders when someone doesn't agree with their plans and they isolate the person by ignoring them. Number nine, never gives credit or shows gratitude. A Jezebel will rarely acknowledge another person's actions, not even for something that turned out to greatly benefit the Jezebel. He or she just cannot bring him or herself to say thank you or to acknowledge that someone else did something right. Mercy. There are those who have gone out of their way to bless a Jezebel by being the catalyst of sending him or her on a trip or giving a gift, yet never will there be a thank you. This again puts the controller in a position of power. Number 10, a Jezebel spirit criticizes everyone. This is a characteristic of a controller. Preacher could say 99 perfect things in the message and they would pick out the one that they could argue with and talk about that. 
He has to be the one who looks good, so he will quickly, sharply criticize anyone who makes a suggestion or plan. Number 11, one-upmanship. Led two people to Christ yesterday. Cammy, could you turn on that uh, backup camera? Right there. Up the other side. I know we've gone long tonight. It's good. It's good. But this is important. Thank you. One-upmanship. A person with a Jezebel spirit will always upstage another person. I led two people to Christ this week. Really? I led three. Really? I led five. Oh, I had five plus a healing. I had five plus a healing plus a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Two demons came out and one was raised from the dead. I mean, it's like, whatever you say, they got to upstage you instead of rejoicing with you. Yeah, I know them people. People that have the opposite spirit might have led five people to Christ, a score of healings happened, and they might be called into international ministry and been in a television spot that reached people and 3,000 came to Christ. They'll never tell you. You know why? Because they want to rejoice with you at whatever level you're at and they want to honor you. I'll never forget, there was a prophet friend of mine in prison. He led, what, 1.8 million people to Christ. He got attacked by the Spirit, got wrapped up on false accusation, ended up doing 13 years six months and eight days in prison. Mighty man of God. Accurate third heaven prophet. Long story short. One day I went to him. I had a revelation on the tabernacle. And I mean it was a radical revelation for me. I mean like two plus two is four. It was amazing as a young Christian. I had cracked the code on this thing. And so I was sharing with him about the tabernacle, the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy of holies, all this stuff. And he sat and allowed me to pour it out for like 30 minutes. And he sat with this thumb on his chin, hand in his chin, chin in his hand, and he was just so encouraged. I'm thinking, man, this guy has never heard this revelation. It's amazing. It's cutting edge. I've really got something from God. So it was about a week later, we were back in a Bible study, and the Lord had him teach on the tabernacle. And at first I thought, this guy stole my message. And all of a sudden, he started talking about things God didn't tell me, but they were all in the Word. And he preached for about an hour and 15 minutes and everybody was taking notes and the rock of revelation was opened for us. And we were all greatly blessed. The next day I saw him, I said, when did you get that revelation? He said, oh, about 20 years ago. I was on a 40-day fast. He says, and the Lord came to me on that 40-day fast and opened up the scriptures and everything's understood with the tabernacles and threes, David. And he says, I've written an entire book on it. Oh my I said, well, why didn't you tell me when I came to you to share what I realize is now a baby revelation compared to the wealth of knowledge that you have? I got a cup full of water, you had the ocean. He said, well, it's just so rare to get good preaching. He says, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, that man has a godly spirit that fathers people in the faith. Are you listening to a baby Christian tell you their baby revelation and rejoicing with them yeah. and nurturing them to take them to the next level? Are you pulling out your big guns and shooting down everything they say or beginning to teach them after they've spoken to you? Why don't you just let them get it out? And then later on they can find out you got it on a 40-day fast 20 years ago. Wow. If you got it. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Go get it. Go get it. 
Sequesters information number 12. A Jezebel loves to be in control of information. If there's ever a situation where information is important, he or she will push to be the first to know it. He seems to know everything about everyone. Where he or she gets all this information is beyond comprehension, but he or she can dictate to you data and details about people's lives and actions in mass quantities. Wow. It's amazing. Number 13, uses information. Jezebel uses information as a leverage for power and then shares tidbits with you, often things told to them in confidence. They'll violate the confidence to destroy your confidence in someone else. That person may have been born with angel's wings, but once a Jezebel's been there, the backbiting spirit in that person will bite them off. Number 14 talks incessantly. Many people talk habitually, but a Jezebel uses talking as a form of control. It is typical conversation. The Jezebel will do all the talking, whether it's about sports, the weather, or the kingdom of God. Because of this form of control, he or she is unable to receive input from anyone else in their life. All conversation with him or her is one-sided. It's a monologue. It's never a dialogue. You are doing the listening. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. I think we should use them in proportion. Number 15, spiritualizes everything. When a controller is confronted, he or she commonly spiritualizes the situation, explaining it off on God. Well, God told me to do that. Well, you know, I was told to go to this location on this date, this and that, blah, blah, blah. What's the fruit of it? Is there fruit? Well, eventually there will be because Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. Yeah, but you destroyed a relationship. Oh, but, but, but God, I had a Jezebel one time in prison. They, they'd kicked me out of a church. They didn't want me in. There was a Jezebel operating through a male musician. He later got out, became the music minister at a congregation, and eventually went back to prison for an indecent act with a 14-year-old boy in the front seat of his car when he was married and with two children. But he controlled the church in prison and had a tremendous music gift. I think he's out again now. I bet I know him. <laughs> As a sex offender and a pastor with a seminary degree with a 14-year-old boy. When that happened, I did not rejoice when I heard he'd fallen, even though he had made my life miserable and turned the congregation, volunteers against me, and the chaplain who came in here to preach that I hadn't seen in 18 years was there when it happened. We talked about it. Mm. Jezebel will operate through a male or a female. Remember the Trojan horse. What are you accepting? Number 16 is insubordinate. A Jezebel never takes the side of the employer or a person in authority unless it is a temporary action to make himself or herself look good. He or she will often take credit for someone else's idea. Their main desire is for power and control. There's no conscience when an opportunity for recognition presents itself. Number 17 is pushy and domineering. A person with a Jezebel spirit pressures you to do things, seemingly ripping you from your right to choose or make a decision for yourself he or she makes others feel as though they don't have enough sense to think for themselves. You too have the Holy Spirit. See, these things are ringing in your ears and your pictures of people that you've been in your life are suddenly becoming apparent. I would say this, if there's some of these behaviors in yours, 
repent and break ties with them. Amen. When I first studied this teaching, I found that three or four of these things had crept into my life. My God. And I had to repent for them. I still struggle with like one or two of them as I'm reading them. Mm-hmm. It's not a complete pattern, but sometimes it'll rise up. It's not a demon spirit. It's a way of thinking and doing things that's Jezebelian in its thinking pattern. You with me? So just because a person does three or four of these things or five or six doesn't mean they have a Jezebel spirit. Most our nation has been influenced by this. Break ties and be free. Number 18. Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess often comes with a familiar spirit which is a second heaven prophet that operates with demonic clairvoyant power that is often accurate, but it is not from God. And can even perform signs and wonders. And those signs or wonders will come to pass, but then they will tell you to follow after false gods. Not a biblical Jesus, but the Jesus that they've wrapped in some other clothing with a different standard. And they will try to control you with a glance. A woman with the Jezebel spirit will berate her husband publicly. And then, when he starts to speak again, all she'll do is look at him. And she'll hold him in fear because he doesn't want to be berated publicly again. Many who operate with the spirit of control also have a clairvoyant or familiar spirit in addition to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jezebels are often born-again believers that are filled with the spirit that operate in an additional spirit also. So they prophesy accurately now, and then later they'll prophesy by a second heaven gift or a familiar spirit, and then cause you to stumble, get you all messed up, twisted up, trapped, and schemed, and bring you into bondage, ruin your ministry, ruin your life, ruin your marriage, ruin your finances. Beware of second heaven prophets. Balaam operated in both the gifts of the Holy Spirit and a familiar spirit and caused Israel to fall prey to another nation's women and it brought a curse on Israel. And he led them to fall prey. Balaam had a Jezebel spirit in him. And he caused Israel to fall prey to seducing spirits and fornication and brought a curse on themselves. And he died as a soothsayer in battle. Do soothsayers go to heaven or hell? Yet he had an operation of the real gifts of the Spirit and prophesied seven oracles in Numbers 22. And he was rebuked by a donkey that could see the angel and the prophet couldn't even see the angel. And then he went up on the mountain and prophesied seven oracles that are in canonized scripture that every one of them came to pass, even including the prophesying of the Messiah to come. Yet he ends up, dies as a soothsayer in battle. Don't start right and end wrong. Those that endure until the end will be saved. This is the element of surprise number 19. Jezebel's main thrust is to be in control and a large part of control is catching you off guard. Therefore, the element of surprise works well when he or she shows up a day early for a meeting unannounced. They're prepared, but you aren't. Number 20, sows seeds, of, sows seeds of discord. God hates the person who sows seeds of discord. Doesn't hate the person, but hates their actions. That's Proverbs 16. Jezebel, see, 
So Jezebel will continually belittle another person in the most subtle way. The strategy is to gain control by minimizing the value of another person. The strategy is to gain control by minimizing the value of another person. They will belittle the pastor. They'll belittle somebody behind the scenes. Say, well, let's call them and talk about it. They never want to call and talk about it because that's not their intent to resolve the issue. Their intent is to create the issue. Commands attention, number 21, and Jezebel likes to be the center of attention and doesn't like to see others recognized and lauded. When someone else is recognized, he or she will quickly undermine the person's accomplishments verbally. It's very subtle. Number 22 is vengeful. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Since a Jezebel is never wrong, if you contradict or confront one, get ready to become his or her worst enemy overnight. As long as you are in agreement with the Jezebel, all is fine. But if you confront or challenge him or her, then look out. You are the target of his fiercest venom. A Jezebel will stop at nothing to destroy your reputation. A Jezebel will stop at nothing to destroy your reputation. They are not interested in restoring such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest they too be tempted. They want to tear you down, destroy you, character assassinate you, and it's not the spirit of Christ. And if you listen to that spirit operating through that person, supposedly your friend who's text messaging you, calling you with incessant talk over the phone for hours and hours and hours, if you grin, you're in. You're part of the problem, not the solution. Go to the Matthew 18. Let's go confront our brother. Did you go first, sir? Did you go first, ma'am? Well, I haven't, I haven't been able to talk with them. Well, then don't talk to me. Don't be the accuser of the brother in ministry. Let's be the intercessor. This is what I say to people on the phone. Well, let's go ahead and pray for them. Pray about it. I know you're right. And they're like, well, well, I need to share more. No, I, I've got prophetic gifts. I already see what's going on. Let's go ahead and pray. See? <laughs> and often, I'll start prophesying about what I see, but it's not about that person. It's about the one I'm talking to on the phone. Well. They don't often call me back too many times, except to repent. And normally, it's not real repentance because they've enjoined themselves with that line of thinking and they love it. Mm. That's why when they end up sick mm. on the bed of suffering and you go to lay hands on them for healing, they often don't get healed because they're still in agreement with that spirit that caused the curse to fall on them. For the curse without cause will not come. By the way, I was talking to a prophet friend of mine who's on vacation right now, and I told him I was going to preach on this subject. He said, David, this is the most pervasive spirit that's going to rise up in the church right now because the prophetic move's happening. He says, the Lord gave me a vision years ago, and in the vision he showed me that in the end days this Jezebel spirit will take over women and completely possess them. Men will get delivered. He said, and when I had the vision, it was easier to get women delivered than men because men were obstinate. He showed me in the vision in the last days, it's going to be more difficult to get the women delivered than the men because of this Jezebel spirit confronting the prophet office of Elijah. And he said, it was a horrible vision that I had. He says, and I wasn't Pentecostal at the time. I was Baptist. When the Lord gave me the vision, it ruined my ministry, he said. He said, of course, then God took me around the world and put me on TV in 150 nations, but it ruined my ministry with the Baptists. He says, and all that theology I learned as a college professor, he says, God messed me up. He took it all out of my head. I don't even know how to spell hermeneutics anymore. But he's effective. And he said this, 
he said, this Jezebel spirit is rising. And he said, this thing needs to be addressed. And he says, please preach on it. He says, because it's being ignored by pastors in the pulpit or it's being wrongly taught and women are unnecessarily getting attacked when they're not really even guilty. So, balance. Number 21 commands attention, is vengeful. Number 22. Um, number 23 attempts to make you look like you're the Jezebel. Oh. A Jezebel spirit is difficult to pin down. If the person is near to being confronted, he or she will skillfully twist the entire situation, trying to make the innocent person look like the one who is attempting to control. As always, the Jezebel will do anything to look like the one who is right. <laughs> Number 24 insinuates disapproval. A Jezebel will often imply disapproval to those under his or her control. The controlled person feels no freedom to express an opinion for fear of disapproval and rejection. This often manifests in a marriage or in a working environment. Number 25 knows it all. Jezebel knows it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jezebel is usually blatant regarding his or her knowledge of everything. Quick to express his opinion or her opinion in any area, he or she leaves little room for anyone to point out the other side of an issue. Jesus. He has made idols of his opinions. Ooh. Knowledge puffeth up, but love buildeth up. 1 Corinthians 8.1 <laughs> Number 26, Jezebel is ambitious. This Jezebel has strong desire, but all for self. I want what I want when I want it, describes his worship of self-will. A Jezebel leader will never use the words, we have a vision, but rather, my vision is thus and so. It's always about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, not about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the people of God that join together in the vision. Number 27, Jezebel loves to give gifts. Gift-giving is a form of manipulation a Jezebel Whoa. uses that always makes you feel obligated to him or her. Whoa. It also compromises the victim in speaking direct and confrontive truth. It's difficult to directly confront somebody who just gave you a gift. Oh my goodness. Naturally, not everyone who gives gifts is guilty of control. But gift-giving is a tactic used by Jezebel who have a need to control. Wow. So is that balance? Just because somebody gives you gifts doesn't mean they're a Jezebel. But when somebody... I've, I've turned down a lot of gifts. I'm very cautious on who I accept a gift from. Or if they give it to me, I'll say, you know what? I have someone who needs that. It won't just come to me. It will come through me. It'll be a twice-sown seed. Thank you very much. And if you know me, I give gifts to people all the time because I'm a conduit that God just really hooks me up for real. And I love to hook other people up at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Love to give gifts, but not for the purpose of control or manipulation. So there's a balance there. But you watch when they give you a gift. Here's another thing. They might have added a little something to it with their prayer life. That is Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft empowered by second heaven prophecy of a familiar spirit and attached it to that item with a curse. And all of a sudden, you've got chaos and confusion in your house and you don't know where it's coming from. And if you ask the Lord, He'll say, so-and-so gave you a gift and it's on that item. Burn it, throw it away, give it back. Could be a ring. Could be a painting. 
Could be an item. Could be cursed money. It came from a wrong source and you know it, but you falsely claim the verse, the money of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. You brought the curse into your house. The Trojan horse came inside the gates and it's destroying you. Give it back. Get free from it. Amen. Number 28, and we've got a 30, 28, 29, and 30, and we're done. Is independent. No one has input into Jezebel's life. He or she fraternizes with no one unless it is to get you to cooperate with their agenda. <laughs> because they need you on their side to sway the tide of church or public or business opinion. On they need they'll and politics is some of the ugliest Jezebel spirits operate there. Number twenty nine, Jezebel is intensely religious. Jezebel Jezebel dwells in the local church but doesn't like authority unless he or she is in the position of authority. We've had some Jezebel spirits show up in this fellowship. They are wonderful for a short season. But then I start getting the phone calls. I start getting the things from the other people within our congregation that I trust and I know have pure hearts before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they are in tears and tell me, I, I don't know how to say this, but I've been getting phone calls from so-and-so and this is what they've been saying and I don't know what to do. And of course, I already know it because I've seen it in a dream or I've caught it in prayer. Mm -hmm. And it will always come confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And then you have to politely figure out a way to distance yourself and to promote them out of the fellowship. Move them on. And often they'll do it to themselves. Now we've also had some wonderful people who've moved on from this fellowship. So I don't want to, just because somebody came and left doesn't mean that they operated in that spirit. And people come into your life for a season, sometime for ministry or otherwise. So don't, don't take what I said and say, well, so-and-so was here and they left. They must have had a Jezebel spirit. That's not the case. But we have had a couple. <laughs> In a few years. Okay, number 30, and this is the last one. Jezebel loves to hide. We all want to believe that the person with the Jezebel spirit is delivered. The person may seem normal for a period exhibiting none of the classic traits that we've just mentioned. Then suddenly, without warning, a situation will arise, once again, with the spirit taking control and wrecking havoc over lives in the workplace, family, business, or church. Jesus. Hopefully, true repentance will come. Only then will the person be delivered. The good news is that God gives each individual person the freedom of choice Everyone has the freedom to make decisions, to make mistakes, to think for himself, to communicate, to like or dislike, and to express his taste and creativity. Those who control are in worship of their own wills and their own ways instead of the will of God. Thank God for freedom. This is what this prophet told me. He said, David, I've only seen one woman with a mature Jezebel spirit ever delivered in my whole ministry of 37 years. Now, when there's an immature Jezebel spirit that's growing, like an immature prophetic gift, eventually moves into a mature prophetic gift. An immature Jezebel spirit, if it's not broken ties with, will mature. And this is what he said to me. He said, there was a woman with a mature Jezebel spirit. He says, I've only seen one delivered in 37 years of ministry that had a mature Jezebel spirit. And he said, she was cast on a bed of suffering. And on the bed of suffering... 
she finally cried out to God and repented when she was within inches of her life and God caused that demon to come up out of her. She submitted back to her husband. She repented before the congregation. He says one of them in 37 years. He says there's no scriptural basis anywhere where one of the characters with a mature Jezebel spirit ever repented. And he says, that's what the Lord showed me in the last days. I'm not trying to sow a lack of hope because he has a story where one did repent. But this is how dangerous this spirit is. Let us stand. If you recognize any of these traits in your own life, begin by praying this prayer. Father, I acknowledge that I have yielded myself to the spirit of Jezebel. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing through so you can come into agreement with it, then we'll repeat it. Father, I acknowledge that I have yielded myself to the spirit of Jezebel. I come to you humbling myself before you. I desire your standard of righteousness and holiness. I ask you to forgive me for my tolerance of the Jezebel spirit and for being sympathetic to its ways. Please forgive me for every way I have opened myself up to this spirit. Help me to ruthlessly reject every type of this thinking and the desire to control and manipulate others. I renounce and bind the demon of Jezebel and I pull down this stronghold in my life. Through the Holy Spirit, I, by faith, will live by your standard of righteousness through the, and holiness and conduct through the grace that you provide. Open my eyes, O Lord, and cause your light to expose any darkness and help me to walk in humility and in truth. In Jesus' name. Do you want to pray that prayer? Amen. Say, Father, I acknowledge, Father, I acknowledge that, I have yielded myself that I have yielded myself to the spirit of Jezebel. I come to you, humbling myself before you. I desire your standard of righteousness and holiness. I ask you to forgive me for my tolerance for the Jezebel spirit and for being sympathetic to its ways. Please forgive me for every way I have opened myself up to this spirit. Help me to ruthlessly reject every type of this thinking and the desire to control and manipulate other people. I renounce and bind this demon of Jezebel and I pull down this stronghold in my life right now by faith in Jesus' name. Through the Holy Spirit, I will live by your conduct and your standard of righteousness. Holiness and your shalom peace. Open my eyes and cause your light to expose any darkness and help me to walk in humility and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just declare freedom and liberty and this thing broken over your life with a super sensitivity, be able to recognize it and navigate around it and when necessary to confront it and to love those 
that are bound by this Spirit, recognizing the Spirit is not them, but it's influenced their thinking. And I declare freedom, freedom, freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, restore purity and holiness into the church that we might walk in sincerity and truth, free from the leaven of malice, fornication, and wickedness, but filled with spirit and in truth by the Holy Ghost. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Those in agreement said, Amen and Amen. This has been another powerful teaching by David Herabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidherabedian.com.